You're listening to This Life Explains It All. With the creators of Vera, your guide for navigating a conscious life. We're Stefania Romeo and Catherine Griffiths. This Life Explains It All was created out of belief that our life experience is our greatest teacher. And as soul sisters and intuitives, we've spent the past decade completely obsessed with better understanding our minds and our bodies, all while running a mile a minute with busy careers as leaders in the tech startup world. On this podcast, we are bringing you the insights and lessons that have changed our lives with the thought leaders, healers, and dreamers behind them. We're discussing wellness practices, healing methods, and experiences that get us to think differently about life and live empowered. Whether you want to uplevel your health, your career, your relationship, or are going through changes to your life path, this information can help you get there and let you know that we're right here with you. We believe life isn't meant to be lived linear, and no matter where you are right now, you're right on time. Hey guys, it's Kat. I'm in Sydney, Australia. And it's Stefania and I am in Santa Monica, California today. Today we're talking to acupuncturist and nutritionist Karen Siegel. An expert in Eastern medicine, Karen deeply understands the mind-body connection. She's been practicing nutrition for 40 years. Guys, she is a legit OG. And she's had her own practice treating patients through acupuncture, herbal medicine, and integrated nutrition for over 15 years. So she really combines both the nutrition and the principles of Eastern Chinese medicine. Yeah. And she has a master's in public health and oriental medicine. And she has a wealth of knowledge on how to treat common imbalances in the physical and mental through changes with your diet and lifestyle. She leverages various strategies of traditional Chinese medicine to help patients overcome acute and chronic problems with pain, as well as symptoms of anxiety, stress, depression, fertility issues, digestive problems, migraines, and so much more. And we are going to be talking about all of them in this conversation and what you can do if you're experiencing any. So before we get into the conversation, Stefania, what have you been? up to in Santa Monica? Well, I'm in Santa Monica now. I came back from, I was, as you know, on the East Coast visiting family and spending some time there. I'm now in Santa Monica. Normally I'm based in San Francisco, but I'm really happy to be in Santa Monica right now because I'm right by the water. It's so beautiful. And it just feels like the energy is a little bit freer and more flowing here than it was and is in San Francisco. And so I feel really, really grateful that I can be spending time in this beautiful place, be near the beach. It's absolutely amazing. I'm staying in an area where there is an elevated park overlooking the ocean. And every morning I go out and look at it and I just, my jaw drops and I just think how absolutely gorgeous it is. And I I just get to take it all in. And so I love it. I'm happy. That's great. I think it's so amazing living by the ocean. I live near the ocean too, being in Sydney. And I feel like sometimes I take it for granted a little bit. And I have to, as you were just talking, it was like, I have to remind myself to be grateful and to just look at it every day. Yeah. I feel like you get so caught up in everything. So, yeah. So I've just been enjoying my time here. I've been riding my bike around, getting active. I've been getting really into my dog's health lately. So Kat, you and I were talking about this recently, or you and I were talking about this today, but my my little doggy, Charlie, who I love, he's 11 years old and he is starting to get a little bit slower maybe. And I think that maybe it's normal, but I'm also have gone in some very deep rabbit holes, researching dog health, dog longevity, early symptoms, X, Y, Z. And so I have now begun this study and mission of helping my dog to have longevity and feel good. And I'm kind of obsessed with this right now and and making sure that he's good and okay. And if anyone listening has any tips or advice for me for an older dog and might be able to relate to what I'm experiencing right now, I would really love to hear it. Yeah, that's hard. I feel like I know that with my family dogs and my brother has a dog. I don't know exactly how old 
he is, but I think he might be around 11. And you can see, you know, they just, they're just slowing down a little bit. They're not moving as fast. They're not getting as excited. Yeah. And I think it's just a, probably a normal part of the process. I know, but I really want to like biohack. I want my dog to be like a canine biohacker. So I really am going to be doing some research on this. Actually, if anyone is interested in me talking about what I'm doing and the researching of my dog biohacking in the coming weeks, please let me know because I can share what I'm doing. Maybe Karen can see him. Oh, I know. Well, actually they do acupuncture for dogs. So that's Mm -hmm. one of the things that I'm looking into and dogs can really benefit from acupuncture. Yeah. I get that blood moving. Mm -hmm. What are you up to? What's been going on with you? For those of you who may have not listened last week, I did high intensity for the first two weeks of my cycle and then slowed it down and just did more introspective workouts or body strength classes in the second half. And I haven't really noticed too much of a difference yet, although I started craving different types of workouts and I started, I joined a yoga studio. We are allowed to go to studios now for the time being. Mm-hmm. which is nice to just get back out and be around people. So I started doing yoga, which I normally don't. I only like yin yoga, which is that really slow stretching kind of, you're basically lying down the whole time in a way. I usually only like that type of yoga, but for some reason I wanted to do more of a vinyasa flow. So I went to a heated class and I really, really loved it. It was like the energy and everything was just moving out of my body. And it just was like, my body was just moving in a different way that it's not used to because normally I'll just run or do something a lot or walk or run. So I've been doing that now for three or four times a week and I really enjoy it. And I look forward to the classes, which I never thought I would say with vinyasa because I haven't really liked it that much in the past. Yeah. You look kind of glowy. Your skin looks really good. Maybe that's... Part yeah. of it. Thank you. I think it's also because I'm sweating. It's a heat. It's yeah. kind of like when we used to do Bikram yoga. Uh-huh. I'm sweating so much in the class and you're in the heat. So I have to make sure I wash to- my face after. Because, yeah. You got to release the toxins. <laughs> exactly. Well, we want to get into the conversation um, because we are covering a lot in this conversation. It's all about how to really understand and integrate the principles of Eastern medicine along with nutrition and what you can eat for your body type. So that's really at the core of this episode and what we want to share with you. So shall we get into the conversation? Yeah, let's do it. So we're talking to Karen about her story, how she followed her instincts that led her on the path that she was always meant to be on, how she took a leap and made a career transition at 40 years old, which is awesome. We talk about the different elements that are present in our bodies. So the yin, yang, and chi, and what happens when they are out of balance and how to get them back on track. Yeah. And we spend a lot of the episode going over the nine body types in Chinese medicine, what each presents as, and then what to eat and what not to eat to balance out your body constitution, depending on which type you are. So we're going to go through all nine. So make sure you listen for yours or listen for what you might be experiencing or might be out of balance. For me, I resonated on some of what she shared in the chi stagnation. So I'm going to be making some changes to my diet based on what I have learned. So let's get into the episode. Karen Siegel is such an amazing woman. She was a joy to speak with. And like Kat said, beyond her wealth of knowledge, her spirit and her path is really interesting. I really love and admire someone willing to kind of, who has the guts to make a career transition at 40 and then become really successful and feel like she's doing her life's work. All right, let's get into the episode. We had that one conversation a little while back and I was just really fascinated by all the knowledge that you had and the way you talked about Eastern medicine in the body and nutrition and since then have been thinking that it would be amazing to get you on the podcast. So I'm really glad that we were able to make it happen. As we get started, I think it would be great if you could share a little bit with us about how you got into this work and what kind of work you do. 
it was a circuitous route in that I have been a dietitian for a better part of 40 years, a registered dietitian from the traditional Western medical perspective. And I was already doing nutrition therapy counseling mm-hmm. or try something different. And I had so many mental health professionals already referring to me as why why go there? You know, I have, mm-hmm. they're already referring to me. And I thought, you know, I'm just going to, I knew this doctor who had done part of his residency in China and he went to an acupuncturist. He's an anesthesiologist. And so I just went to this Chinese doctor. He barely spoke any English and it was way out, you know, and I barely filled out any paperwork. And he said, why are you here? And I said, no, you tell me, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and um, he asked me questions about allergies and back pain. And um, I was just kind of amazed by the experience. And I said, where can I learn how to do this? And I was living in Houston, Texas at the time. And there was actually the American College of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine in Houston, 15, 20 minutes from my house and and um, he told me about it and at the age of 40 I applied you know and go get your transcripts you know from you know 20 years earlier and apply get a master's in oriental medicine but I did and I haven't looked back I tell people I'm the perfect example you can teach an old dog new tricks you know at the age of 40 I was able to access my brain and learn this whole new form of medicine and um and here I am I've been practicing 17 years since then. So, you know, I started when I was 40 and I graduated a month before my 45th birthday. So it's the journey that you take when you just kind of listen to your instincts and you honor what feels right to you. I love that. And that's so incredible. And I totally agree with that. Just listening to your instincts and seeing where it guides you. You mentioned earlier on the non-diet approach. And I'm, I was wondering if you can go into that a little bit more, what that means. So ultimately, the way I was trained is kind of like a triangle model diet, behavior, modification, and exercise, you know, to be healthy and to maintain your weight. And it foregoes a really critical component, and that is the emotional relationship with food. And ultimately, if you listen to an outside person tell you what you need to eat or how much you need to exercise, you're totally negating your own body signals of hunger, fullness fatigue, you know, well, my trainer said, I, it's not worth, you know, if I don't do 45 minutes and reach my target, you know, heart rate and aerobic capacity, then it sets you up for failure. And so very early in my nutrition practice, I started researching and practicing myself, having been on many diets as a kid. I was, you know, I was on diets growing up and I was battling my weight and had to myself get to a place of complete self-acceptance and Mm -hmm. honor my body and how beautifully it worked for me so often. And so that's what I brought to the table with my patients and really got, which is why I said I was doing nutritional therapy, because ultimately you have to connect with yourself if you're going to be healthy. And I think we have to explore our relationship to ourselves, our bodies, and food if we want to have a healthy relationship with food. The interesting Mm -hmm. thing is I've been able to marry what I know from a Western perspective of nutrition and incorporate Chinese medicine, uh, food Mm -hmm. therapy. And that's great. I feel like I have the best of both worlds because I have one foot in the Western vitamins, minerals, nutrition type world, diabetes, as well as the Chinese medicine and nutrition therapy world over and beyond, you know, the acupuncture component. So I think I bring something that I don't know anybody else who has that a combination of expertise. So we're going to get into the body and the questions that we have around all of that piece of it. But I, I just love your story so much. And I feel like so many of us and so many, I feel like in this community who are even 25, 30, maybe 35, feel like I can't change now. I've already spent so much time doing this other thing. And so I love that you followed your instinct and started something new at 40, because I totally agree. It's you know never too late, certainly. Is there anything else that you would say that you learned that you would share with others who are thinking about taking a leap of faith, aside from obviously listening it to your intuition and instinct that you learned from following that path? I think you have to be at a crossroads in your mm-hmm. life. And I knew and where I was sitting in my office eight hours a day working with 
really challenging, difficult to reach adolescents. Didn't want to be there or didn't want to eat and trying to access that or the adults or the the 75-year-old anorexic who was, you know, I, I would say when you're even older and sitting in your rocking chair, are you going to wish you hadn't had that piece of cake? You know, are you going to wish, gee, why didn't I just have it and just live my life? And I was just kind of maxed out. And I knew somebody in my patients presented with other problems like anxiety, depression, constipation, body pains and aches. And I felt like, gee, you know, what I'm doing is really important work. And, and I continued to do it even once I graduated and got my degree in Chinese medicine, but I was able to combine the two with acupuncture and herbal medicine along with the nutrition therapy. So I think you have to be at a place where you feel stuck. Yeah. And I guess you have to recognize that you are stuck before you can take that leap, right? Yeah. And give yourself, I've always said, if you don't throw it out to the universe, then and nothing's going to come back to you. Or if you always do what you always did, you'll always get what you always got. And mm-hmm. um, that's one of my favorite sayings. And so if you're not where you want to be, then throw it out to the universe and see what comes back to you. <laughs> I, I love it. I love that. And in that way also, our tougher experiences or when we really do feel stuck, they're a great gift to us because they're helping us to push us on a different path. So I really love that. Absolutely. That stuckness is a lesson. Absolutely. And if you can pay attention to it, it can open up a whole world for you. Absolutely. Which also has a lot to do with acupuncture, right? Because a lot of stuckness, uh, acupuncture can help. The mental health professionals who referred to me for their, their eating disorder patients. So we collaborated doing, they would be in therapy and, the, and I would be doing the nutrition therapy. But once we started doing acupuncture in addition to the nutrition therapy, those blockages, blockages in the body just aren't physical. We have emotional blockages, right? And so acupuncture being a very holistic, treating the whole body, the body as a whole, when you move that stuck energy, the patients would go back to therapy. Some of those blockages had been opened up and they were able to actually make more progress and go deeper and connect the dots more in their therapy, in their psychotherapy. Yeah, and that's likely why, I mean, even with overweight patients, and obviously let me know if this is what, but something that I've been thinking about is like, you're almost holding, if you're holding on to a lot of emotions, then you're probably holding on to physical weight as well because it's all connected. Is that something that you see? Yeah, it's like an armor or that can just be your body's natural weight. You know, Mm -hmm. uh, the height weight chart, the insurance tables are fraudulent at best in terms of what we should be weighing. And um, everybody's bodies can be healthy at a different weight. And ultimately our health, I mean, there's ways to determine health through traditional Western, you know, with blood work and disease states. But Mm -hmm. again, then the question comes into is it serving a purpose for you? And what, what is that purpose and why do you need it? You know, who are we to say some, that somebody should not have that purpose for themselves? Mm-hmm. Well, let's get into talking about the body types and into the nutrition. So I understand it as our body types are kind of determined by the mix of the different elements that we have or the balance of the different elements that we have in our body. Can you talk a little bit about the different elements present in the body? Those are key to understanding um, Chinese medicine for sure. So qi, spelled Q-I, pronounced C-H-I, basically the energy, our vital energy how organs function with chi. Chi is what makes our heart pump, our, our livers filter, detoxify, our kidney to filter, kidneys filter. So we have chi, and uh, without chi, we're dead. <laughs> you know, chi is what kind of is is our vital energy, our vital force. Yin, y i n, is something more solid. It is something you can see and touch, like blood and body fluids. Is that associated with the feminine as it is? I've heard that with some other. Yeah. So most characteristics of yin, so it's it's something solid for sure in terms of the definition, but our yin energy is our calming, soothing, introspective, feminine, cooling, and moisturizing energy. So um, whether you're male or female, we have yin. 
And then we also have Yang, Y-A-N. Some people pronounce it Yang, but the Chinese pronounce it Yang. And that's something a little bit more invisible, more of the male energy. And that is kind of like our power, our fuel, like in an engine, a horsepower of an engine is our young energy. So our young tends to be male and upward rising and mm-hmm. windy. Wind is young energy. It's moving around and um, kind of like the male anatomy a little bit, you know, it goes up and it's out there where yin is more quiet and introspective. So uh, when we say yin deficiency, it means that there's just not enough of that energy, the cooling, moisturizing energy and yang deficiencies is not enough power. There's not enough heat to steam the bodily fluids. There's not enough power to give us the force that we need. Could you talk about the different types of deficiencies and how you know when everything is balanced? I believe there's nine different types. Sure. And let me say at the outset is that we are not unidimensional. So mm-hmm. we, we can have a predominance of one type of body type, but normally there's a mix. And so it's important to realize I'm going to go, th- I'll go through the different types. So the first one is basically the neutral body type, but the neutral body type is pretty much imbalanced. They're yin and yang and chi is it's pretty much in balance. A person is healthy, uh, the phys- physically fit and strong emotionally stable, you know, with a basic positive outlook on life. They sleep well, good appetite, normal bowel movements, all the things that you look for to be in order. It's not particularly hot or cold, just kind of neutral. And in terms of the diet recommendations is whatever they're doing, keep doing. <laughs> because <laughs> it's working for them with, you know, their their movements, the type of movement. And, you know, exercise is a funny term. I, I from my eating disorder days, I, I never used the word exercise. I used the word move, mm-hmm. you know, movement. And um, what kind of movement are you comfortable with as opposed to exercise? It has a negative connotation, you know, for people who have an adverse relationship with exercise. Yeah. The second type of body type would be the more chi deficient. Chi, remember your vital energy uh, being weak, so not enough chi in our body. People who tend to be chi deficient have uh, softer muscles. They're, you know, they're the kind of flabby. Tend to be more. And no matter how much they exercise, it's just mm-hmm. kind of soft muscle tissue, introverted and timid, tend to have a softer, weak voice, a little bit more feeble, some shortness of breath, gets cold, you know, catches a cold or flu easily, tends to be tired. A classic symptom of chi deficiency is spontaneous sweating, just like out of no reason, just kind of sweating. Mm-hmm. That means there's not enough defensive energy and the person just gets the sweats. If you look at their tongue, and a lot of diagnosis in Chinese medicine is looking at the tongue and feeling the pulse, so the tongue will have little um, teeth marks along the margin. It could have loose stools or constipation. Somebody is just kind of deficient, doesn't have the energy to have a strong bowel movement or to push it out, or their digestion is so weak that have loose stools. Yeah, so that's kind of like a two. I, I have a question, kind of a clarifying question as we're going through all of this. Yeah. I, you, you said this, I think, a little bit that we're not all one, but can we kind of go through a period of time where we feel like, oh, okay, like maybe I'm cheat. Def- I feel like I'm cheat efficient now versus like this is part of who I am. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we are dynamic people mm-hmm. as, as a human being by definition that we're constantly changing and evolving. So yeah. depending upon what's going on in our life and things that affect our constitution can be where we're living, this kind of stress in our life, our genetic predisposition, our age, all of that can affect everything that I'm talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if somebody has a lot of stress and illness in their family and their and their caretaker and they originally they started off really strong and balanced all of a sudden the world is falling apart around them and they're ignoring their own needs because they're so busy giving you know to others and being a caretaker then their vital energy gets depleted mm. absolutely yeah so just by definition of being human we are always evolving and changing yeah our life and life happens and gets in the way sometimes and can certainly deplete um, our yin, our yang, and our chi, for sure. Another type of deficiency would be yang deficiency. So that means not enough of that warm, rising power 
within our body. Quite often it's kidney yang deficiency. So those who are yang deficient tend to have weak muscles. They complain about having cold hands and feet, maybe a cold feeling in the stomach, cold averse, so they get chilled really easily if it gets the temperature drops. Might be more sensitive to noises, to loud noises. Tend to not sleep well discomfort after eating cold foods. So if you think about connecting the dots, why would somebody be cold averse and be sensitive to cold foods if you're young deficient? Because they already have too much cold in their body. Well, they have too little heat in their body. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, It makes them cold. So the cold is a Mm -hmm. function of deficiency, not an excess of cold, but a deficiency of heat in their body. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you, you get the concept. I was just going to say there was one point where I was trying to like kind of what you said in the beginning, like I was reading all these things and like, oh, it's so healthy to have a smoothie in the morning. So I was having a smoothie every morning and it was really upsetting my stomach and I couldn't understand why because it was so healthy. It had vegetables, it had fruits, but my body just did not respond well to the cold food. So that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and that's exactly where I can differentiate Western nutrition from Chinese nutrition. Because according Mm -hmm. to Western nutrition, that's really healthy for you, right? And eating salads. Right. Mm -hmm. So for a young deficient tongue will be pale and swollen and a little bit um, puffy or bulky. Yeah, and they tend to be puffy, you know, maybe some feeling of puffiness and, and some swelling. So if you think about diet do's and don'ts with that is if you have a deficiency of heat, right? Then you want to nourish yourself with warmer foods, right? Mm -hmm. So you would want to avoid cold foods and smoothies and things like that and have more warm strengthening foods in your diet, soups, cooked, you know, vegetables and that, that type of thing. And then yin deficiency, yin being our cooling, moisturizing, introspective energy means if we're deficient, we don't have enough of that. So if we're, if we're deficient in yin, then we have a relative excess in yang, right? So if our yin is, is weak, if our cooling, then we're going to have more heat. And one of the aha moments I had when I was in school and it was before I went into menopause, but it just struck me. It's like, oh man, this makes so much sense. So if our goal is to have yin and yang in balance, and as we age, either yin, generally speaking, not everybody, we uh, women tend to get more yin deficient, which means you have a relative excess in yang, right? Heat. So what is menopause, right? But the heat that, that women in menopause feel is not coming from the outside in. It's coming from the inside out. The Chinese call it steaming bone syndrome. And so, you know, women will say, oh, I'm like, I'm sweating. I'm so hot inside. But if you touch their skin, it may not be hot. It's mm-hmm. all from within. And it may, that's what kind of when I really understood the concepts of yin and yang, when we we're talking about that in school and for um, women that are in menopause, I said, wow, that makes so much sense. It's not an excess heat, it's a deficiency heat that they're experiencing. Yeah. Wow. Like, wow, that's so interesting. Anyway, those who are yin deficient tend to be thinner. Quite often could be going and impatient in their personality as opposed to the yang deficient and qi deficient, which is more timid, can quite often complain about sweaty or hot palms and soles of the feet, maybe dry um, nose and mouth. The tongue, if you look at the tongue, will be red or peeled or geographic mm-hmm. if they have um, severe yin deficiency. So it would make sense on the opposite spectrum from yang deficiency that if you have yin deficiency, you're going to want more cool foods, right? And more moisturizing foods and moistening foods to build your yin, your fluid, and your body, your, your blood and your body fluids. So vegetables, celery, asparagus, carrots, those type of things, cucumber, kelp, mushrooms are great for yin melons, especially like watermelon, have a high water content and a little bit sweet. You want to avoid, you know, warm pungent foods, which are going to give you heat and you already have heat in your body. So you want to avoid warm pungent foods and spicy fried foods if you're inefficient. So if you're already warm, you avoid cinnamon and clove and ginger and peppers and things like that because it's adding insult to injury. Mm-hmm. And then you have the phlegm damp body type which tends to be overweight and tends to have a, a bigger stomach, can feel stuffiness in the chest and um, a heaviness, a sluggishness, just kind of like, oh, sluggy through, just kind of walking mm-hmm. through a swamp. I may have a sticky or sweet taste in the mouth. And if you look at the tongue, it'll have a greasy tongue coat. 
might have more throat secretions and phlegm production. There's just more damp and phlegm in the body. It tend to be sweaty in general. Have fat and sweet tooth. Um, that's some foods <laughs> that they naturally gravitate toward. Tends to be uncomfortable in humid weather, which makes sense. If you already have a lot of damp in your body, humidity is going to make you uncomfortable. The phlegm damp tend to have metabolic conditions um, like diabetes, metabolic syndrome, and cardiovascular diseases. So the phlegm damp, the tongue coat is white, or you can have phlegm heat body type, where you have more heat in your body, and they might actually have a, a thinner physique, but will, they'll have an oily face with more acne, a phlegm heat. They might have a bitter or metallic taste in the mouth, will be more irritable and short-tempered. With the phlegm damp, the mucus is clear. With the phlegm heat, is going to be more yellow, yellow mucus tendency toward yellow urine. There's more heat, can be constipation, more discharge, a yellow greasy tongue coating. Is there um, any association with this phlegm and damp with allergies or seasonal? Like, Could someone maybe feel like seasonally I have some of this and then what can I eat during those times? to counteract it. I remember, and I don't know if this is aligned with Chinese medicine or not, but I remember I used to get bad allergies and I since not because of my allergies have become gluten-free and pretty much dairy-free and I don't get any allergies anymore, seasonal allergies. And someone said that maybe that contributes to it. So I'm wondering your thoughts on that. Sure. Absolutely. Chinese medicine is wonderful for allergies. There is a type of acupuncture that I do. It's called seasonal acupuncture, which means it's putting your body through the needles in sync with Mother Nature. So it's not just an allergy treatment, but the, actually the points change based on the season and the time of year. But for sure, yeah. And that's another indication that we change, we evolve, right? Mm -hmm. So, but basically, even though we are human and we're constantly changing and our life is always going, quite often there's a basic body type underlying it all. I, off the back of that too, I was going to ask if there's any correlation between any of these imbalances or deficiencies and hormonal imbalances. Like if you're one of these types, do you tend to have more hormonal imbalances or irregular cycles, things like that? Absolutely. Yeah. It's like PCOS patients with polycystic ovary syndrome tend to have be more phlegm, phlegm damp, because what are cysts? They're an accumulation of um, phlegm damp in the body, uh, painful periods, a lot of clots. Uh, absolutely. We haven't gotten to it yet, but with some um, blood stagnation. Makes sense. And some people are more predisposed to that than others. You know, it's just people mm -hmm. who have lactose intolerance, some that don't. Some who don't get gassy and, you know, an upset stomach from dairy, and, and some do. It's so, But generally speaking, in terms of Chinese food therapy, dairy is not a, is not a biggie. <laughs> it's, yeah. not, mm -hmm. it's not a big component in Chinese medicine. In yeah, general, because it does create phlegm and damp in the body. Yeah, it makes sense to avoid that with this type. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the blood stagnation body type, which means that the blood is not moving smoothly or coursing through the channels the way it needs to be um, moving through the channels. And blood stagnation, by definition, if somebody has pain in their body, especially sharp shooting pain, like a knife pick or just like a sharp pain, that's blood stagnation in the body. It means that there's, I call it a traffic jam. There's lots mm -hmm. of ways, you know, to describe what it is. And our job is to, uh, I describe a traffic jam in the middle of Times Square at, at rush hour, you know, and nobody's going anywhere fast. Everybody's pretty stuck. And what our job is to create a green light in the body so the traffic flows smoothly. And when, the, when that traffic flows smoothly down the road and there's no backup and nobody's honking, there's no pain and you feel better. Mm -hmm. So that's blood stagnation. It's just stuck. And people who have blood stagnation to have more of a dull grayish skin. They may have spots on their face or dark, like purplish red lips, uh, dark circles under the eyes. Tend to be impatient and just really irritable, short fused. That's a real classic symptom. And especially if that happens during PMS, right? Mm -hmm. That's the symptom of PMS, get real irritable. And that's usually, that'll come with clots and, and painful periods. So foods that calm the liver are, are what you're looking for basically in the blood circulation body type. 
celery, leeks, chives, garlic, things that just kind of keep things moving. And also you want foods that move the chi because that's also part of or move the blood, not only calm the liver, but move the blood. So there's going to be some of this uh, similar foods. Mm-hmm. Avoid greasy, frozen foods. Alcohol and caffeine is a big one. Overly spicy foods and sugar in the blood stagnation body type. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it just kind of keeps things stuck. If you think about cold as being congealing and warm, being opening and allowing things to flow. So, you know, we get a lot of referrals from chiropractors and um, the chiropractor always says, you know, on your neck where you've got pain, put ice. And I said, I know your chiropractor is telling you to use ice. I'm telling you to use warm because mm-hmm. ice is not going to promote chi and blood movement which is where all the nutrients are and all the fluids that were going to promote the healing of the the injury or where you have pain. So, or you can use a combination, but heat, cold heat, I would say start and end in heat and do cold in the middle if you want to do cold for uh, acute inflammation. But, you know, there's different theories, you know, and Western says cold. And why do they do cold? Is because once you take the cold off, the heat comes so quickly that it promotes blood flow. So that's mm-hmm. the theory in Western medicine, why you ice. But in Chinese medicine, you still want to keep that blood moving, keep the blood flow. Mm-hmm. And this is the one that you said, if you have painful periods, you're experiencing some of this? Yeah. Because yeah. I have that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you probably have a stressful lifestyle, just, you know, you're doing a lot, you're <laughs> yeah. going and blowing. And so that's pretty classic. I say we live in a very liver society and it's because we, we're just going and we're competing and we're busy and that creates a lot of liver cheese stagnation. Mm, okay. Is that also the, th- like the 3 a.m. wake up? Because that happens to me, not all the time, but sometimes it happened to me last night, actually. <laughs> Is that the liver? Uh, yeah. From three to five, is I think that's in the Chinese clock. I can't, I, I was, can't, I think three to five might be actually the long. From one to three is the liver, three to five is the long, five to seven is the large intestine, which means in the Chinese clock, in the 24 hour period, those two hour periods is when that organ is most active. And mm-hmm. so three o'clock is between liver and lung, you know, so you're probably trying to process things and um, trying to work through stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's hard. And, or that could quite often, hard to fall asleep, I think is really more like liver stuff. And maybe middle of the night, you wake up and you can't go back to it. It might be more heart. A lot of insomnia is heart related. It means you can't mm-hmm. turn it off and just overthinking things. Yeah, my mind's and, going. Yeah. 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 So, or a combination. Again, we're not unidimensional, but usually <laughs> yeah. one, there's usually a predominant, you know, predominating issue and then other things on top of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And then the chi stagnation. So we have blood stagnation, which I just talked about. And then chi stagnation, which means that our vital force, our energy is just not moving. It's We had chi deficiency and now we have chi being stuck. And these patients tend to be thinner, tend to be a little bit more emotionally unstable, melancholy, kind of suspicious or paranoid, mood swings, tend to be more on the nervous side certainly susceptible to insomnia and intestinal problems, just doesn't handle stress situations very well, doesn't like windy weather or rainy weather, and can be susceptible to breast lumps. So um, fibrocystic breasts tend to be chi stagnation. So the foods that you want to eat are foods that move chi, like kelp, leeks, greens, onion, radishes, you know, turmeric is a good one. Mm And to avoid alcohol, coffee, overly spicy food, sugar. I say avoid, but, you know, never is not in the non-diet approach. You know, it's certainly not part of my vocabulary, but it's just kind of like take a look at how much you have and make a decision if it's working for you or not. You know, try it without, try it with, give yourself permission to explore how you feel. And ultimately, how you feel when you eat a certain way is a much greater indicator of how you need to be eating, right? Mm -hmm. The experience of giving yourself permission to try different food combinations and different balances. There is no one right way to eat. Everybody's different. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this, you know, this keto, oh, you have to be on keto, you have to do this. But no, you know, one size does not fit all Mm -hmm. at all. And then the last body type is a special type. It's, It's where you have it just genetically weak. You know, you're, we call it your 
I'm blanking out on the word. Jing, in Chinese medicine, the word is Jing, but it's your hereditary predisposition. And so it's your primordial, what your parents didn't give you. Mm. <laughs> you know, maybe you were the last of five kids and just their essence and their strength was already depleted by the time you came around. But you just tend to have general inborn weaknesses. You know, that sickly uh-huh. child, you know, who's yeah. just kind of always sick and may have developmental mm. issues. You tend to be inherently sensitive to medication and food and smell. There's always something that's triggering a health and health issue. Often have allergies or respiratory problems, nasal congestion, a lot of allergies, runny nose, panting, hard to breathe, itching a lot, just kind of general weakness. I may have like um, autoimmune issues, right? Mm-hmm. Poor response to the environment and seasonal changes. And most of the health issues can be weather-induced, you know, for a Mm -hmm. lot of them. Because they just don't have the defensive immune strength to fight off the evil pathogens in the air. The Chinese call it evil chi and right chi. And just don't have a strong immune system to fight things off. So they Mm -hmm. tend to get sick more often. Diet alone, supplementing with that alone can only do so much for these who are inherently have inborn weakness. You know, Mm -hmm. so of course you want to eat a lighter, easier to digest type of diet, you know, nothing too cold, nothing too strong, nothing too spicy, just kind of a very simple avoiding hot, you know, spicy foods and garlic and hard to digest foods and even overly fibrous foods Mm -hmm. because the body just can't accommodate it. So just a real gentle, easy diet is you know, bone broths are perfect for these type of patients. Mm-hmm. Bone broth is a big is a big thing these days. Yeah, chicken, you know, kidney, liver, you know, organ meats, which generally in Western say, oh, you don't eat those. But for, you know, but for the inherently weak, the Chinese see that the organ meats can actually give you the energy of that organ to a certain mm-hmm. extent. So that's kind of the thinking along those lines. Is there a type or deficiency that you're seeing more predominantly in women say like, I don't know how many of these you have in your practice, but like women in their thirties, is there a predominant thing that you're seeing with that group? I think that we have a lot of chi and blood um, stagnation and that's just stress. That's Mm -hmm. stress induced. We do a lot of fertility in our clinic also. Mm -hmm. And sometimes who patients just haven't been able to get pregnant and before they start IVF or IUI, they come to us. So they we see a lot from the reproductive doctors refer to us. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's uh, PCOS, there's slim damp, there's young deficiency. But I think if we had, had to kind of come up with one, it's just our stressful world yeah. plays havoc on our psyche and on our body and our, yeah, and our health. Is there one or two things that you could recommend more generally for anyone who is feeling stressed or feeling anxiety, what they can do? I think going to bed and having a wind down routine at night is really important. Um, Mm -hmm. So rest. I don't think that we can heal. We can feel calm if we're exhausted. Mm-hmm. So I think sleep is really important, though that evades a lot of people in our society because of all that stagnation. So I think of trying to create bedtime ritual is really mm-hmm. a good idea. I think meditation and um, the meditation apps are really good idea. I would say moving in a way that feels good. Mm-hmm. I think movement is really good for stress and anxiety for a number of reasons. One, and I used to tell this to my eating disorder patients, I want you to move not for the exercise component, but for the mental health benefits of it. Mm -hmm. I want you to clear the mechanism. Go inhale, fill up your lungs, you know, look at what's being planted, what's blooming. Can you listen to the birds chirping to reconnect with a bigger part of themselves? I think we get so caught up in our own little world, our own bubble and our own stress, we forget to look outside and see what else is going on. So I think for people who are really stressed out, reconnecting with nature, going barefoot, you know, dirt is really grounding. And so it just helps to, you're on this, you know, you've got to peel yourself off the ceiling and just kind of get grounded a little bit. So, you know, I think as human beings, we are our intellect. So our mind, our body, our physical body, our 
mind, body, spirit, right? And our emotions. And I think if we want to be honest with ourselves, we have to take a look at the various parts of us and what feels out of sync. Mm -hmm. And if you feel like you're in a spiritual famine, kind of figure out what's going to work for you spiritually. Or if you feel like you're sluggish and you don't want to move, well, what is that about and what can you do? So I think movement and fresh air and sleep, if I had to do just one or two things, those those are really important. And then you supplement that with meditation or yoga or the, you know, a type of movement that works for you, or just look within, ask yourself what's going on. Mm-hmm. We just don't ask ourselves what's going on. We're just so reactive and we want to fix it now without exploring. Yeah. Yeah. The quick fixes. I totally agree on the mental health and and movement. That's the number one reason why I do it. It's not for weight loss. I mean, that's like, you know, or weight management, it's a component, but it's so much the mental health. When I do a workout afterwards, I feel so much better. So I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah. What are some of the biggest transformations that you've seen from a client adopting one of these diet changes, um, mental health changes, and, you know, resolve their imbalances? Do you have examples of some transformations? Oh, yeah. I had a, I'll give you an example of one woman who came to me first as a um, compulsive eating patient. So she was for to be to work on her um, her eating and body image issues. And then she ended up being a carry into my acupuncture practice. And it was the combination that really I regulated. We found that her craziness kind of was hormonal. And, you know, she alienated everybody every month. And it was just kind of all this drama in, in the family. And it was so around her hormones and her chi stagnation and blood stagnation, that once we, I was able to calm that stagnation and quiet it with acupuncture, she was actually able to step back and take a better look at how she was um, taking care of herself with food. Mm -hmm. So it was actually through the acupuncture that she was able to step back and get more regulated hormonally and emotionally. Then at that point, she was able to be calm enough to look at herself. But sometimes when we're in that place, mm-hmm. we can't step back and look at ourselves. And so her family ended up saying, you can stop anything that you want and change, but you better not stop saying your acupuncture <laughs> because we like you so much better like this. So uh-huh. um, that was kind of, that was pretty profound. Another one was, and this was also a big teachable moment for me is I did some pro bono work working with uh, veterans coming back from Iraq and Afghanistan. And that was one of the most rewarding work I've ever done because I was seeing these men and sometimes their wives who had closed head injuries who'd pretty much been blown up but didn't lose anything except, you know, they had head injuries. And Mm -hmm. the acupuncture and the counseling and guiding them because of the, the use of alcohol to medicate. And I was able to talk to them about diet and self-care and the acupuncture that it was, I would go home almost in tears. I did come mm-hmm. home a lot at night in tears saying, you know, the price of freedom mm-hmm. and what these guys have been through. And it, it, it was so rewarding and it just gave me a, an outlook on our country and on life and, and appreciate yeah. what we have and what we take for granted and how, and um, the freedoms that we have in our life. And so that was really, really rewarding. I think I can't separate the food and the acupuncture because I do both. Mm-hmm. Going back just to my eating disorder work, I could talk about the nutrition, but I, I think today we can't separate one area of health without incorporating it all and to take a look at. But if I had to simplify like what you brought up for allergies, I think taking a look at phlegm producing foods, I mean, that can be really profound mm-hmm. and it's a real simple fix. Yeah. Yeah. Dietary modifications. Yeah. And that's actually been huge for me without even realizing that that's what I was doing. It really, really changed things for me. I think there are people who are not celiac, Mm -hmm. but who have some gluten and, um, oh, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. 
And, yeah. and I, I think in part, mm-hmm. that's a function of our bodies were not made to take in all the processed carbohydrates that we have taken in over the years. Yeah. I mean, if you think about mm-hmm. caveman and, and how they ate, everything was, was raw and natural. There was nothing processed. And I think somewhere along the way, there was been some mutations in how our bodies oh, yeah. work. And we've become mutations in the wheat as well and genetically modified foods. I think about that a lot too. And glyphosate, we can, I won't get into that whole conversation, but. Right, right. (laughs) I think we eat in a way that our bodies aren't meant to eat. Right. And so we develop intolerances as opposed to actual diseases sometimes. And just go into that. We would love to close it out with our final question that we ask all of our guests. And that question is, what life experience has been your greatest teacher? I'm going to be real cliche, but I just think it's who I am. Is that, and it's going to make me a little bit emotional. Aww. It's okay. I've cried on this podcast many times. <laughs> I, was, I was very lucky to be raised by a loving mother and father. Aww. And I learned different things from both of them. You know, what I got from my father is very different from what I got from my mother. And so I think having been very lucky to have that and then to be a mother, Mm. I think I've learned more from my kids Mm -hmm. than I've learned anything because I've learned patience I never knew I had, (laughs) Mm. you know, (laughs) for sure. And, And now that I have adult children, it's the most rewarding experience because now I'm learning from them. Yeah. So I think my parents were my teachers and now my kids in many ways have become my teachers. And oh, it's the best. I feel so, so blessed in my life. And I I count my blessings every day, not only for how I grew up, but for my kids and the health that I have. And I think counting your blessings and gratitude is the biggest teacher of all because that gives you something inside that you cannot buy, you cannot eat. You can't get it unless you give it to yourself and give yourself permission to really count your blessings. And so my kids think I'm really corny because I I always use that expression, count your blessings. You know, kids just count your blessings. We're Mm -hmm. so lucky. Be appreciative of, you know, of what you have in your health and the love in your life and, and you will be happy. That's the key, right? That's so beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. So beautiful. I actually got chills as you were talking. (laughs) Yeah. And I I can say, because I know one of your children, you have raised a wonderful son. I don't know your daughter, but really such an amazing guy. And I know that's a reflection of you as well. I take some of that credit. Uh, (laughs) Some of that to his father. (laughs) Yeah, I've I've got two amazing kids. I feel so blessed. And an amazing son-in-law and daughter-in-law. All right. Well, if people want to get in touch with you, work with you, learn more about your work, what's the best way for them to do that? I would say um, send me an email. And um, my email is Karen, K-A-R-E-N-S, Karen's Clinic at gmail.com. Okay. Karen's Clinic at gmail.com. We'll link that in the episode show notes too. All right. Thank you, Karen. Thank you so much. It has been such a pleasure meeting both of you. You're wonderful. Keep doing the good work. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review or share it with a friend and hit subscribe so you never miss a show.